Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Axial Principle. I am your host, Dr. G. Um, today, I want to discuss something that uh, I posted in my blog. I actually did a three-part series uh, discussing three motivations, three primary motivations of why people would uh, adopt an ideology. And this doesn't pertain to specific ideologies like Christianity or Muslim or or uh, SJW ideology or feminist ideology. It's, it's ideology in general. Um, so it doesn't matter what it is. It's just uh, a belief in ignorance is how I'm going to de- define an ideology. But um, before I begin, uh, the excerpts that I, I started some of my research for, because I really wanted to know what motivated somebody to go from atheism to Christianity or atheism to Muslim because we've seen a couple people online. I don't know if they're actually genuine or not, but you'll see them in Twitter in particular or other online venues where they'll say they were once a Christian or, or they were once an atheist rather. And now they're Christian and come check out their blog and why uh, atheism is such bullshit and whatnot. And the reason why I think they're disingenuous or disingenuous in the first place, is um, most atheists can't consider or think why they would go back to a belief that's based in bullshit. It's based in faith, um, requires uh, no belief in reality whatsoever. And so a lot of atheists have issues considering the, even the possibility um, that somebody would go back to religion. And that's the problem, really, is that um, some of these people actually do go back to religion. And um, th- therein lies my point, that uh, it is possible. And knowing why someone would go back to religion might indicate you or tell you um, what would be those motivation motivational factors. So the first of the motivational factors I wanted to point out is um, well, actually, let me skip back a little bit. So, in in this book, it's called Amazing Conversions. It's written by Bob Altmeyer and Bruce Hunsberg, and uh, they did a study in back in 1995-96 of uh, close to 1,400 um, college students, and. Uh, these college students, what they did was they, they did a, uh, a mass study of uh, why people uh, adopt a religion that's antithetical to their original. So to give you an idea, if we go through uh, this book, what you'll see is, uh, for example, if we, if we go to the, the beginning of the book, it goes through a lot of the questions that he asked, and it goes through um, how he defines uh, his terminology and whatnot. So it's, it's like reading a, a research paper, it really is. And uh, here it is. So uh, they reviewed and, and interviewed over 4,000 different students. Um, and what they found was that was only approximately um, 
Well, it wasn't it wasn't very significant, but it was very odd. So, for example, let me let me read you this excerpt. Uh, potential AB, which is amazing believers. Those are the people that went from atheism to Christianity, for example. Most of these went to Christianity. Go to Muslim. It's ninety five. So the Islamic invasion hasn't happened yet, basically. So he said that uh, amazing believers turned out to be even rarer than the amazing apostates, which are those that went to atheism, being only 0.8% of 4,264 respondents. So it was a rarer case for somebody go, to go from atheism to theism than it was theism to atheism. And to give you an idea, if you take the uh, 4,264 students and you times it by point, oh, point 0.8, you have the remaining students that kind of, and, and this is true for most ideologies, is you adopt the ones that your parents started. So you don't really convert out of your own religion. It's just, that's that's one of the first things that should be highlighted, that Close to 90% of the people that um, did this study out of 4,300 students, basically, um, most of them stayed with the religion that they were born into. Um, Of course, they always think they're always right, and they don't consider the possibility of the other religions either. So what you see is um, the uh, fringe factor, as I'll call it, these people are the ones that convert out of their birth religion. So Christian fundamentalist parents and your son's an atheist, for example, or vice versa. You're not very religious family um, like mine, maybe a stoner hippie family, and you become a pastor, right? So these, these opposite conversions, the, the latter being more, um, rare than the, the former. So converting to atheism is more likely than uh, converting from belief or into a belief. But essentially, um, 8% of the people, 0.8% of the people, less than 1% of the people, which is about 852 students, um, can turn turned into potential ABs, right? Um Twice as many, almost, went to atheism. So atheism's growth spike that we saw in 95 and 96, if you look at the Galpola data, um, practically jumped during the 90, 90s from 2% to almost 4%. It was, it was a significant statistical jump. Um, this is where you start seeing it. And so this book um, and study uh, has particular notions on the beginnings of what happened. Um, we don't see this now, unfortunately, because uh, uh, higher learning institutions, many of them have adopted the social justice ideologies, and so they push the PCE-friendly um, belief structure onto their students, creating safe spaces, requiring gender studies degrees or uh, education and that type of thing. And uh, so you don't see it as much, but those are secular ideologies. So what we're really talking about is belief in God to not belief in God. Um, so skipping ahead, um, getting to the point I wanted to make. What I, I'm going to read this uh, section here. It's from the end. 
of the study, which is where the fun stuff is. Three and you know, and, and if anybody's never done a dissertation, chapter four and five are always the funnest. Well, uh, this would be like the chapter five where you go through some of the insights and some of the cool things you saw and all that fun stuff. So uh, here's one of the insights you saw. If the amazing believers did not become religious in rebellion against their parents, their unhappy backgrounds still help explain the trouble they often got into during their lives and the results of feeling fear, loneliness, and depression. So in my blog posts, I put trauma, uh, loneliness, and depression. And I put trauma in there for very specific reason, which I'll get to in a little bit. Um, and in fact, uh, it, it comes up in a, in a little bit in this book, and I, I might read that excerpt later. Um, so the, thus the amazing believers did not challenge our theories of socialization much as we initially supposed. Instead, we can see that their family backgrounds indirectly helped shape traumatic changes that occurred. So um, they also go into comparing the grades between amazing believers and amazing apostates. Ironically, amazing believers had a lower grade average before conversion and after they had a higher grade average. Um, Amazing apostates... um, the ones that converted after high school, basically, most of these people did um, convert before high school ended. Um, some converted after, but all of them were straight A honor roll students. Um, and there's more into that, and I'll get to that, into that in a little bit. So, um, so uh, a further insight I want to bring into into light. The, there's a cost benefit analysis they did. Um, but the, uh, there was another insight that, uh, kind of drove these things. Uh, so let me read this next excerpt and might, it might articulate a little bit better than I can. So another benefits, other benefits were also mentioned often, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six people all felt they could not control their alcohol abuse or emotional problems without their faith. Most of them, plus two, had also found romantic love through their religion. Many mentioned the new friends they had made. As Mel put it, there's one of the singular ones. Um, Just so you know, they uh, changed all the names and the genders of the people that participated uh, to keep it... uh, uh, to secure their identity, essentially, it's a requirement if you'd ever do um, these type of studies. Well, now it is. They used to not require it. Anyways, um, as Mel put it, I had 50 to 60 people in the church who are my friends and only two or three outside. So very in-grouping culture, in other words, uh, something I've talked about before. So what happened was they... Uh, they couldn't control their emotions. They couldn't control their fear, their depression, their alcohol abuse and substance abuse. And uh, faith, religion helped them solve that. So uh, the insight piece is probably the funnest part of this book. So I'll read this next excerpt here. It is not too difficult to fit things together here, is it? The amazing believers were fearful and the religion bought them security. 
They were unhappy, and now they are overjoyed. Their lives were purposeless, going nowhere, sometimes almost out of control, and religion gave them direction and discipline. They were lonely. They found friendship and love. In short, amazing believers usually had serious emotional difficulties and shortfalls, and conversion solved their problems. So there was another piece in here that I wanted to point out that it was really interesting. Um, but before I get to that, you notice the theme there, that um, most of the people that converted to the religion had issues in their life. And um, the religion solved those problems. They're, they're a Band-Aid to their emotional problems, right? And, and that Band-Aid... Um, only solved some of their issues. They didn't solve them all, obviously, um, but it addressed it to to a point where they could get on with their life and not feel like crappy or lost or or uh, uh, lost, essentially purposeless. So, um, another another interesting point I want to bring to light is um, another piece in here. I'm trying to find it actually in the book, but uh, there is uh, there was a there was a some information in here on the time frame. That was one of the more interesting things that I, I wanted to look up a lot on how long it took people to cur- convert into or convert out of religion. And uh, it said in here that many of the people that converted to religion, the ones that adopted an ideology, it was almost instantaneous. So these people basically um, were lost. They went off and didn't know what to do, and they they were they they were just completely lost in their in their beliefs. You know, they didn't know what to do with themselves, essentially. And um, it was almost instantaneous for the believers. So they didn't believe for the longest time. Life was getting them down. They were troubled. They were doing drugs. They were, I don't know, doing all sorts of things. And then they went straight to religion. And it is usually something that happened in their life that, that drove that. And uh, for the apostates, the ones that were in the nuclear family, great family structure, some of them were actually sons and daughters of preachers. Don't know really what their sex is, but we can guess because there's only two, hint, hint. But uh, they they were almost instantaneous. They Their change was uh, not instantaneous, excuse me. The, those that grew up in a religion um, started with the doubt. And here's another interesting section in here that, that I also wanted to point out. And, and I think maybe the atheist community can relate to this, especially those that grew up in a religion. Um, unfortunately, I don't have this experience um, as much as, you know, I grew up in the Mormon culture. So I was deeply exposed to that. Um, my parents, uh, well, my mom's side was Mormon. My dad grew up Baptist. Um, but both of them rejected religion before I even thought of religion. So there's there's a lot of that involved. But essentially, the the first question that drove me, that to made me think, 
is I'd, I'd ask questions as, you know, as eight. I was really young. And uh, they would answer, you know, Jesus did this, God did that. It kind of explained it to me. Um, but when I boxed them into a corner as an eight-year-old asking questions, their response became, well, you just have to have faith. That answer to me was insufficient. Excuse me. I'm asking a question here. I want to know the answer. And if you say, if you say I just have to believe, well, screw you. I heard people say, I just have to believe in Santa Claus. I caught my parents delivering my presents underneath the freaking tree. Don't lie to me. That's insulting. And so from there, you know, that, that, that was pretty much it for me. Uh, I gave religion a try because my parents wanted me to. And in the, in the Mormon culture, if you don't associate to Mormonism, you might as well be a freaking um, pimp walking the streets, dealing drugs and just dragging everybody down, worshiping the devil or some shit. They're freaking ostracize you to, to the 20th degree. It's ridiculous. Um, but for those that uh, were religious when they grew up and then finally converted out of religion, um, there's one thing that caught my mind, or caught my mind. Uh, uh, well, I guess I read it, so it did catch my mind and my eye. But um, there, there's, a, there's a section in here called First Questions, and I thought that was pretty interesting because it said, and I quote, nearly all of our amazing apostates could remember the first question that arose in their minds about their religion, thus testifying to the importance of the event. Most reported that grappling occurred at the beginning of adolescence, then a lot of things began to happen. On average, the first question arose at the age of 12 and a half. Many of the first questions arose among these 46 participants, nearly all of them familiar if you had answered our 20 questions and blah, blah, blah. But a few popped up more than others. The tip of the wedge for the nine students sprang from the Bible. They found the stories such as Adam and Eve, Noah and the Flood, hard to swallow, or they found contradictions in the Bible itself. In one related note, three other students said biblical disagreement with the theory of evolution started them down the road to disbelief. So one of the things I want to point out in that quote just by itself is Ken Ham, the, the hack that thinks he knows what the hell he's talking about. And this is directly related to our current situation with our new presidency. Mike Pence is also a creationist, as much as I'd, I'd love to smack him across the face for being so stupid. But essentially, they believe in Adam and Eve. They believe the Noah and the Flood really did happen. And they think they have evidence. And what they've done is they made it up to substantiate the people that have doubt. Well, they'll say, well, look, here's, here's biblical evidence. Here's some evidence. You're driven by evidence, aren't you? Well, here's evidence. So those people that dig and question, they can be taken to these places to reaffirm their faith, essentially. And, and it may sway some people, maybe most. It really depends because it depends on if they really are trying to look inside their religion or outside their religion. One of the other things that happened in, uh, in all the studies that I was reading and all, all the 40 um, – 46 participants of the apostates was that they all questioned outside of their religion. They did not ask questions inside. They uh, asked no questions to other people. In fact, most of them did their own research. 
So they didn't go out and ask a bunch of questions, a bunch of people. They dug it themselves um, and found answers themselves. That in itself showed a propensity for logic and reason to me, where they dig outside the box and dig outside their shelves to find their answers. But um, the apostates or the um, the believers, the ones that the court that um, converted to religion, their their situation is is deeper emotionally, right? A lot of the apostates would say, you know, they let their child make their own decision and um, whatnot. The believers say the opposite. And I think the opposite is because they also too fear that their kids will have to deal with the same emotional garbage that they dealt with. Right. And that's understandable considering that um, all of these people converted to religion from a practical state of non-religion or atheism. Maybe they actually had an inkling that they believed in God itself, but for the most part, every single one of these suggested that they didn't believe in any deity whatsoever. In fact, two of them, I believe, in this list actually said that they were atheists. They didn't believe in any gods, and they were convinced by something. And essentially, it came down to um, they, uh, they had a traumatic event. They had severe depression they felt lonely or out of place, and the loneliness actually seemed to stem from a disconnected family, too, because it was a lot of report, reports on the disconnected family in, in many of the states. In fact, one of them was um, extremely shocking. Like, he didn't believe, or she, I'm not sure which, um, didn't believe at all. And then, if I remember right in this book, I could dig through and find it, but um, I believe the dad killed his mother. And then killed himself. It was a murder-suicide, and he was present and saw this. And I read this and went, holy crap. Are you, are you freaking – he saw his dad kill his mother. How fucked up is that? I don't know how else to put that into terms other than to say I couldn't even imagine having to deal with something like that. And right after that, he found Jesus. And it was because he moved in with his grandparents. His grandparents were all – heavily religious they found he found a book and it just it gave him comfort it gave him answers it gave him feelings of um um hope purpose you know he was extremely traumatized who wouldn't be in that situation he was very young when it happened something around six or seven and uh yeah it was absolutely amazing to read that he went to religion after that and i can understand why uh, given that I've had trauma in my family as well, at least my dad didn't die. He actually survived. And you would think that would push you to religion more. If your dad comes out of the hospital, hallelujah, he got a new heart. And then you put into the reference that a 21-year-old son, somebody's kid, had to go flying through a red light, get hit by a car in a four-way accident, become brain dead at the scene so that, I, that the paramedics could cut out his heart. Or not the paramedics, maybe he went to the the coroner first, but they, they, since he was a donor, they cut out his heart so my dad could live. Somebody that was 40 already. So somebody half his age had to die so that my dad could live. And, and if you think you're going to go to religion after that, and if you consider the, well, he got a new heart and he saved, somebody saved him. Well, 
somebody died for that. So what the hell, you know? So some, God's going to kill somebody so that your dad can live? Oh, how special you are. So that's my situation. But in, in this kid's situation, he went to religion after that. And I can understand why, given that that's pre- pretty traumatic, to say the least. But um, here, here's some other interesting pieces out of the conversion process in particular. And I think this, is a, this will speak a lot to the, the loneliness and depression, because that was, that was probably the two highest ones, the most common. Trauma being the third common, but the most affluential. Fear being a part of all three of them. But here we go. We checked to see if the amazing believers turned to religion was sometimes sparked by a feeling of being out of place. After all, they were non-religious in a Christian culture and did not go to church when their friends did and so on. But that can be set aside. Only Mel, one of them, reported feeling he was an outsider as a child. So only one of them felt like they were outside. So when did the conversion begin? It happened to be quite a different times for different people. Laura began when it was seven. Wendy turned back to Christianity at 26. The average equaled 16.2 years. So it was significantly older than the apostates. The apostates were 12 and a half. These guys were 16 and a bit, 16 a couple months. The pilgrims began as soon as they considered themselves Christians or a member of the particular denomination by age 17 and uh, three-fourths, on average. In 11 cases, the transformation from non-religious to believer took ye- a year or less. In 11 cases of 40. So one-fourth of the people took less than a year, possibly. About a year or less, is that. The rest of them took a lot quicker than that. When we interviewed the amazing apostates, we tried to pinpoint the first question eventually led to their loss of faith. In return, when we talked to the amazing believers, we tried to isolate the first belief that eventually led to the conversion. We almost never found one, however. They never said, for example, that a particular Bible story was the first thing they believed in. Jill comes closest with her early doubting of science on the account of creation, or early doubting of science's account of creation. In other words, she doubted evolution, which is fine. It's, you know, some people just cannot comprehend past their own lifespan. It's a normal thing, actually. Most people cannot comprehend the propensity of millions of years because we only live a hundred, a fraction of that time. So to even put it into terms like most people can't realize what it was like 2000 years ago compared to today. And they think it was so much better. Or um, in the case of Republicans, 1960s was the golden era. Uh, no, thank you. I know what was life was like back in the 1960s, according to my parents who were alive back then. And no, thank you. There was a lot of things that were just not safe. The internet did not exist. For example, a lot of the technological advances didn't exist. And Global communications and our linkage to the ever-growing population of the world was just not possible. Our growth alone is, is fairly insignificant when it comes to evolution, so it can understand that, right? So, unlike the amazing apostates, um, 
they they were uh, able to pinpoint like a specific question that just drove everything. They started doing research. It took a few years. Well, um, instead of here, here's another quote for you. Instead of convert converts typically reached a, instead. Excuse me. Let me try this again. This is horrible. I'm really not good at reading out loud. If you couldn't tell, instead the converts typically reached a point when they decided to accept all the beliefs at once. They sometimes even went from non-believers to strong believers in a flash. I became clear to me at once. I decided that Christianity was the right path to take, and I just started playing, praying. Um, it just hit home one day. Everything clicked together and made sense. It was sort of an awakening, right? So these are all experiential in place. There's a lot of uh, everything just kind of clicked into place, right? Um, their experiences is what drove them to the ideology. Usually what it is is a, a spiritual experience. So some of the things that were highlighted in this study and, and things that I've seen across uh, just talking to other people as well, why they adopt from non-belief to belief. In fact, there's a few people on Twitter that claim they've done this. And um, I can't help but not believe them. And I'll get to that later in this segment. But for those that went from belief or from non-belief to a belief. Um, let me let me hit on just out of the book now and, and into more of the psychology of it, why that possibly could occur. So let's start with depression, um, something that many people suffer from, um, many people have to deal with. But what the, one thing that people don't seem to recognize or realize is depression is a mental state. It is a psychological condition. And it's something you're not necessarily born with. As far as any psychologist or neuro study has confirmed, essentially depression is triggered by situational circumstances. In other words, if your family life is horrible, um, you don't have very many friends at school, you don't feel socially accepted, that type of thing, it will drive onsets of depression for you. You just can't get out of it. Um, trauma can also cause depression. If somebody you love in your life just suddenly dies or is missing, or uh, something happens to them and they shut everyone down, they shut you down, they, they shut everybody up and just they negate everything in the world. Um, that can actually cause you to have depression. But always, it is, depression is always situational, right? And in those situations, what will happen is um, people start to uh, disconnect from the world, right? They shut down, they, they want to be alone, they... Uh, isolate themselves and and it gets really traumatic because it just feeds the depression essentially you're just making it worse at that point um so those that are severely depressed suddenly become religious i can see why if if they go to a christian get together or maybe in adolescence they they're still forced to go to scouts and everybody in scouts kind of accept them or they get a couple friends in school right and uh, you've read i've read a story before where this kid was on his way home. His books were knocked down. Some kids were picking on him. And this other guy stopped and uh, picked up his books and helped him along and became his friend and whatnot, you know, became good friends. Um, the story continues. The guy got his books knocked down, was a valedictorian, and he gave his commencement speech and pretty much said that was the day he was going to end his life and it wasn't for so-and-so. Um he would be dead right now. 
and it was because he was bullied, he was picked on, he fell out of place, he's depressed, family life sucked, his parents was getting divorced, that type of thing. But this one dude um, brought him out of that. So that kind of depression, when you couple it to a religious experience, such as you go to church and you see, uh, and one of the one of the guys that were in the study said they went to a Christian camp, basically a Bible camp. And this guy stood up and threw this like wad of drugs into the fire and then said, thank you, Jesus, for clearing me of this, this need of, of drugs and I will never do drugs again. And thank you, Jesus, for helping me. Right. And uh, he uh, blamed it all then. And, and this guy was similar, you know, that, that struck a chord with him. And so he did a little bit more and it, it felt fulfilling it helped along the depression and it, it got him out of that slump and so the religious experience was curing him of depression essentially which is why um clinical psychologists will love to push forth that depression can be cured through religion in fact it, it kind of can because it's it's therapeutic in the sense that the religious experience brings you closer to uh, a sense of comfort and joy that's what they really are driving for you become Christian vicariously, and if you start believing really stupid things, well, that's your own damn fault. But essentially, it, it can drive you out of that slump of depression, right? Loneliness is an easy one to tackle. Like, you look at any atheist community, they lack what the Christians have. And the atheist community, it's a lot of angry people that are pissed off that they've been lied to for quite a long time. What they're missing out of their life is the camaraderie, the collection of doing things, the you know, the uh, associations of people and that type of thing. And and so that's something that's kind of missing out of the AC community, but it's getting better. Now you see like the Humanist Society, the Secular Student Alliance and things like that, where you can join these groups and they have meetups and they have meetings and they have hangouts and they have, you know, social get togethers weekly and stuff like that. And and they all go out and do community service and the same kind of things that the the, the religious groups have done. Um, but the atheist ones have lacked because it was a small community to begin with. So it's, it's grown past that. And trauma, trauma is a real easy one. Something happens in your life and it sucks. Um, case in point, that one um, where his parents were murdered, one killed the other, I think it said in the book. I could be wrong. But essentially... You know, they, um, the the trauma of that drove him to religion, and, and I can see that too. So in these people that, that go from non-religious to religious, it's usually in a flash because it answers emotional issues. And the emotional issues in the Maslow's hierarchy of needs is one of the base things you need. It, you don't have emotional stability, and you're just a wreck, right? So if those other ones are already met, like, food, housing, clothes, sheltering, security, safety, right? None of that exists. Well, security and safety doesn't exist necessarily for the, the believers, which is one of the other reasons they convert. For the atheist side, it does for the most part, right? You got family, friends, pretty secure. Um, that's why it's kind of traumatic for those that come out of the closet, as it were, for atheism, because it, in a Christian, deeply Christian family, or deeply Muslim family for that matter, actually Muslims might be worse, you come out and tell them, hey, you're an atheist. Well, 
in the Christian families, they'll yell at you, they'll fight with you, they stone you, they'll get in your face, and just they're just rude. Um, there's video on YouTube where this kid comes out and uh, comes out as gay. It's not atheist, but it's just almost the same in some instances. And um, the the kid gets beat by his parents. Um, what kind of parents would beat their kids because they don't believe the same way that you do? In his case, he doesn't. He's not driven toward being sexually attractive to to women. Well, I don't believe in God. It's, it's almost the same thing. It's a belief-based thing in some cases. Where, but with gays and males, it's actually more of a chemical issue where um, your sex drive is just driven toward men instead of women for whatever reason. Um, it's a, ge- a genetic abnormality. Some people think, um, like there, there's been a claim that they found the gay gene that basically makes you straight or not. I'm, I'm, ten, I'm prone to believe that actually because they've done other studies in in animal research, essentially other species, and 10% of their population is gay. In fact, the 10% that are gay, like in goats in particular, they prefer the same partner which is a little bit bizarre. Um, I don't understand that world, to be honest. But um, it, In the case of uh, the believers, or the uh, apostates, um, leaving can be traumatic. Um, telling your family can be equally as traumatic. You see cases often where they just come out to their families like it's a, they're coming out as gay almost, but they're not. They're coming out as, as I don't believe in God. And there's no reason to. And so telling their family is awfully traumatic. In fact, sometimes they get disowned. It breaks up family ties. It's very, it drives home that loneliness. And part of your Maslow's needs says you need to be stable and secure. And when you tell people you're an atheist, it breaks that security. Well, in the flip side, when you're already non-believing and you're not secure and you're lonely, if the Christian family adopts you, right? bring you into the fold, become one, the walks between the rows. Well, it answers those needs. And when you're driven to that, it makes sense. You just want comfort. You want to not be depressed anymore. You want to ease the suffering and pain that you feel. It's very real to you. And so you want to, you want to subside that. So what you do, join a religion. Cults are the same way. Speaking of, the, the outgrouping that you see within the social justice warriors. Um, some of the stuff you saw, for example, with uh, um, Lauren Southern getting attacked and then Smugly Puff come up and say, I didn't see nothing, officer. Yeah, sure you didn't, punk ass. Um, never mind, it's been recorded, you dipshit. But uh, you see how they're, they're in-grouped. They're... They surround themselves with people that think the same. It's a very cult-like mentality. Well, uh, that kind of thing you, you normally can see in in religious circles as well. And so what they'll do is they'll, they'll in-group each other, and if you're not a part of them, what they'll do is cast you out. Now, if you're a different flavor of Christianity, it's not as bad, but if it's uh, the same Christianity, Christianity they they definitely ingroup you. Um, one of the hardest things my son is having with um, scouts is the fact that he's not Christian. 
and so they force them to pray and things like that. I actually looked up the uh, prayer to the All Father. I said, go read this. They'd love it. I was going to give them a Buddhist prayer because I've been raising them Buddhist, which is a non-religious religion, but only focuses on the core tenets, um, the eight, eightfold, um, noble, or the eight noble, or the four noble truths and the eightfold noble path. Gosh, can't spit that out. And uh, he's having issues because they definitely in-group, right? They they surround each other with uh, their own peers and they feel goods and drive that loneliness. And if you're not one of them, then you're not in the group. So taking take point, um, Islam, for example, they really drive this home. If you're not Islamic, you're not a Muslim, you're going to die. You're so outgrouped that your head is on a chopping block. And they have killed people. In fact, Saudi Arabia, Hillary Clinton's buddy buddies that, you know, the Saudi prince gave her money, has openly said, if you're atheist, you are a terrorist. Well, um, most atheists value reason, skepticism, and science. They're, they're they're their values for the most part. They they value reality essentially. Not all of them. Some of them just don't believe because it was trendy, or they don't believe because it pissed people off, or they don't believe because they don't believe and they don't have any other reason to believe. Doesn't necessarily mean that they're rational or skeptical, as you'll see in some of my other posts coming up uh, soon. Especially with the SJWs and the feminists, those are secular religions, and I'll get into those in another time. But essentially, um. If you do not believe, if you're an amazing believer and you're into this adoption of ideology, you're under threat of source. So if you're born in this area, you have two choices, essentially. If you start questioning and doubting, tough shit. You're going to believe anyways or you're going to die. In other words, your own life, your fear of trauma, your fear drives you to believe. And this brings me to my last Give me one second here. I'm going to go play Destiny afterwards and do the hard mode raid. Because what? I'm already geared out. That's what happens, yo. Um, the last piece, the piece that ties them all, is fear. Um, out of every single one of the, the amazing believers, the one that that went from non-belief to belief, the one that in the in their theological um, God scale, essentially went from like zero almost or two or three of non-belief to like almost perfect scores of I believe and there's no question about it. These people had a deep-seated fear. That fear drove them to one of the other higher-level cognitive feelings. Uh, loneliness and depression are, are two things that don't usually get exhibited in lower life forms. So we must assume that these emotional expressions are in higher level life forms like primates, like ourselves, we're primates. So therefore, or even actually, I bring it up that other bigger mammals too, like uh, whales and such actually exhibit and display um, depression and whatnot. For example, um, I remember watching a documentary about SeaWorld and their mistreatment and misinformation of animals. 
um, and it was marine biologists doing the <laughs> the uh, thing. And uh, what they did was uh, they found that they took the baby away from, uh, I think it was baby Shamu at the time, away from the mother. And for a solid month, she just was sitting in the corner singing and the other two tried to comfort her and all she did was cry for a month straight. And it come to find out that the uh, the pods of killer whales, they stick together from birth to death. Like they do not separate. Their family units are just that tight knit, right? Well, that's a clear sign of depression, right? Depression and trauma. Your, your baby is ripped from you and you're just crying your brains out because your child's no longer there, right? Can't help that. Um, well, she couldn't help that. She's a landlocked um, orca stuck in a tank. You can't get her baby back because douchebag humans stole him from her. But um, so that fear, bringing it back, the, the fear that people feel, drive them to religion in some form. And that fear can manifest in multiple ways. It could be the fear of your own death fear of other people's death, fear of losing somebody, fear of the unknown, fear of not knowing answers, um, fear of no purpose. That was another thing that was huge in there. Was the, the, I felt purposeless. I had no purpose in life. Couldn't find their purpose, essentially. And so they were afraid, right? And that, that fear needed to be quenched. You can't live in fear. If you live in fear, then you do stupid shit like uh, – uh, what people have been doing the last few days with Donald Trump being our president-elect, they're afraid of him. So what do they do? Go set fire to shit because they're stupid, right? They, they protest. The anti-Trump protests they're trying to say are all peaceful and shit. Meanwhile, they're blocking freeways. That's not peaceful. That's disruptive. They're setting fire to buildings. That's not peaceful. That's disruptive and destructive. They're pulling people out of cars and beating them. And on video, beat him up. He voted for Trump. You can hear it clear as day. They didn't even know if he did or not. They just pulled him out of his car and started beating his ass. They were all black people beating up a white guy. Racism 101 right there. Fucking racist assholes. But essentially, you know, that, that fear, it permeates ideologies. And they drive it to believe in the ideology. You get afraid. They trigger that fear. They, you, you make it real to that person. And they will believe, right? They have no choice. You got to quench the fear. You got to put it out of your mind. And uh, and one of my favorite books used to put it: "Fear is the mind killer." Well, that's exactly what it does. It it arrests your mind. You can't think of anything else until that fear is resolved. So what do you do? You try to quench it with anything you can. Religion's an easy answer. So that's that's what it is. So getting to the last bit, we got ten minutes left. I'm going to get to the last bit, the one part I wanted to cover, which is the guys I see online that claim that they were atheists and now they're a believer. Come listen to their blog and podcast and talk about it. The reason why I don't believe them, I, I do know for a fact that people go from atheism to theism. It is possible. Um, and some of these people antagonize people on Twitter because they're like, no, that's not even possible. Why would anybody go to religion? Well, if they're afraid, if they had trauma in their life, if they're depressed, you know, you don't know these people. Maybe they were. You don't know. But the ones I think are phony are the ones that start writing books, the ones that start writing a podcast or running a podcast. They need to tell everybody about it. And the ones that the, they say particular things, they start just flat out 
um, bad-mouthing atheists as a religion, as a belief. They believe this. They believe that. And what's interesting, it's, it's all Christian rhetoric. It's all Muslim rhetoric. It's, it's uh, the same talking points have been debunked over and over and over and over and over and over and ad infinium. And, and you would think, do these people, did you really get suckered in by that? What, what was it? Um, or were you really a Christian the whole time and just claiming this? so that you can get more reads and more views and more attention, get a few more book sales, get people into your church so they give you money because you're a pastor too, hint, hint. And that's where I have my issue right there, right? So some of these people turn into pastors. Well, guess what? That means you're now making money off of suckering people into believing what you just told them to. Now your livelihood and your income is surrounded by your ideology. Lacey Green, for example, um, in some of her earlier videos, it clearly had no purpose in life. Um, breaking up romantic people's lives because she was the other woman, as she put it in her own words, own context, for example. So you can tell that she had no purpose other than YouTube. And then she found purpose. Her purpose was feminism and racism and pushing forth the PC culture and the social justice ideology. In her sense, she became like the patriarch, or the matriarch in her sense, I guess, not a patriarch. She'd be a matriarch. Um, sister. She's the sister of her religion. She is the clergy. And uh, her livelihood is now centered wholly and around uh, this narrative. Everything's sexist. Everything's racist. All men are evil. The cis white male is the most horrible person on the planet. Uh, they have their own set of dogma, stuff like that. I can't seem to get away from talking about social justice warriors and, and feminism in particular. And even the Black Lives Matter movement is like sucked up into this shit too. Um, they're their own ideology, but when you read their stuff, they're feminists. You look on their webpage. It's right there. You just scroll past the first picture. They talk about black men getting killed by... Uh, the white cop, not the black cop, the white cop. It's only when the white cop does it, right? Yeah. Unarmed black man. I actually got in an argument earlier today, um, but I digress. I'll stop there. My point is that the the reason why I don't believe these people is because they may they're trying to push a narrative to make money off of it. That an atheist goes rogue, as it were, and now is a full-blooded Christian. By the way, I'm a pastor. By the way, I have a book out about my conversion out of atheism, the toxic religion. To which I question wholeheartedly, can you prove that you were, you were an atheist beforehand? What, what, how can you prove that? I can prove it, easily. I didn't believe in God. Now I do. Why? Because atheism is this, atheism is that, atheism is this. Well, that's that's um, all fun and interesting. Doesn't answer the question. And and I've, I've been blocked a few times for ans- asking these very same questions. That, well, why do you believe? Tell me why you believe. Maybe you found a reason for me to believe. Nope. Because atheists are assholes. Because all they do is talk shit. Because all they do is threaten you and, and threaten to kill you and 
whatnot. Really? He asked for evidence, of course, and the evidence is null and void because it's not really evidence because what they do is they quote um, things that were said to them that may have hurt their feelings. Therefore, it's aggression and violence because they're stupid freaking SJWs. So they went from atheism to, I don't know, Judaism or Christian or Muslim or something. I've seen a lot of them try to say they're Muslim now. That's fun. So um, when are you going to try and kill me? It's in your book. Bring it on. I'd love to see you try. Of course, they say that, and some asshole is going to probably bring a gun one day and try to shoot me. That would be fun. Because if they try to bring anything else, they're just going to get hurt. Anyways, I think that's it for me tonight. Um, I'm going to probably call it short just a little bit tonight. Uh, I really just wanted to discuss and cover up the um, the interesting read I finally finished, because that was a really painful book to get through. Let me tell you, this book right here, Amazing Conversions, is... Um, is really hard to get through. It's uh, why some people turn to faith and others abandon religion. It's it's really not... If you've ever read a research paper and enjoy reading that thing, this book is right up there for you. And in fact, this, is, this book was recommended to me, actually, when I was starting to dig in. I was thinking of maybe doing a study around this very thing, and then somebody says, oh, it's already been done. Here, check this book out. And it was another doctor that um, teaches over in uh, California. Doctor of Psychology is like, that's already been done. Check this book out. I think you'll enjoy it. And I was like, really? And he happens to be doing on a, a different study about the effects of social media on uh, conversion rates to atheism. And uh, yeah, so he had me, this is part of his um, back piece that he's going to be showing other people. And uh, it was, it was pretty, pretty damned entertaining, I must say. It, I mean, once I got, once I started getting into it a little bit, it's not really a book that's going to draw you in like a good Stephen King novel or anything like that, but it's, it's factual evidence, you know, it's, it's some straightforward information. And I think the most surprising thing was when I started reason, reading about the amazing believers section, that it was instantaneous, that it answered some of the lower level needs. It kind of all clicked into my understanding of evolutionary psychology, where you take the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you take the um, base level instincts of human humanity, and you apply it to the our need for superstitious belief and needing to answer some of the basic things such as security and safety, and religion just sums it right up for you. What atheism, atheism lacks is what religion has, and the religion has safety security blankets. Atheism doesn't have that. Because once you take away, there is no God. Well, there is no original sin. So what's my purpose? Oh, shit. I don't know. Why Why don't you know? Can't you make one up yourself? I think you've done that your entire life and don't realize it. You'd rather attribute it to your God. But really, you made your own purpose. And you can continue to make your purpose. So there's, in, in my book, I actually cover that a little bit. What the new religions would look like. Unfortunately... Some of those new religions have manifested into what we call just social justice warriors and and the like, and it's it's pretty depressing 
in all honesty. I, I'd love to see, and I'm going to push for the rest of my life. My purpose in life is to make everybody think as I do. As horrible as that sounds. But essentially, question everything is my creed, my my uh, dogma. Question everything. I don't care what it is. I will question it. I question my boss. That's how much I question everything. In American culture, that's like a hell of a no-no. In some other cultures, too, like in Japan, you don't question your senpai. No, 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 no. You do what he says, period. He knows better. So, um... In conclusion, the the people that are converted to religion do so because of emotional needs. Once those emotional needs have been met, it's met because of the religious community and what the religion brings to them. It's a deeply entrenched thing. They don't want to be- not believe anymore because they don't want to feel lonely, depressed, traumatized, and they don't want to be afraid. So how do you answer that? Well, there may not be any easy answer, to be honest. But um, I'm pretty sure we can find one eventually soon. Um, Hopefully it won't be in the PC sector, because that's some ridiculous shit. Anyways, thank you for all for listening in, tuning in. Um, I'll be blasting this all over my uh, social media, of course. Uh, Next week, uh, I'll be probably taking the weekend off. It's mine and my wife's uh, anniversary, so she's more important than y'all. Sucks to be you. Sorry. But she is. And uh, I'm going to try and dive into YouTube this weekend as well, so maybe you guys can see my ugly-ass mug. And I have my first episode is going to be rather interesting. I thought about, you know, following suit and doing the uh, the presidential stuff and all the uh, responses from like Anna Kasparian and Anita Sakizian and Lacey Green and whoever else is like all traumatized, crying and like patriarchy exists and this is proof of it. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, sure it is. When you put two unqualified candidates and the one's the worst is the one that's the most criminal and the other one's just an asshole. I'm going to go with the asshole over the criminal. I'm just saying. He may talk a lot of shit, but he's going to put people around him and he can't get away with a lot. Where the other one's played the game so much that she can get away with fuck she wants. And when she says she's going to put uh, places no fly zones and do that kind of thing, no. So, Thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate you guys listening to me and continuing your support. Um, even though I'm actually not asking for any, I just, I just like the attention. <laughs> just kidding. No, I actually, I do appreciate people that listen to me and I hope I make my uh, message clear. Um, think about your friends that have converted to religion, fear, loneliness, depression, trauma, These are their driving things, so how can you solve them? That's all I have for tonight. Thank you very much, and uh, you guys have a great night.